Expounded Universe, Season 17, Episode 2. Walking in Madness. Walking with my feet ten feet off of Beale. Sorry, I just love that song. The book, Star Wars Coruscant Nights 2, Street of Shadows. The book, Star Wars Coruscant... <laughs> Please excuse my associate. The year 2008, written by Michael Reeves. With your hosts, Jeff and John, let's go! Welcome back to oh, sorry, hang on, hang on. Uh, welcome to Expounded Universe. It's uh, it's me, your host Jeff, joined as always by your other host John. Neither of us is that stormtrooper. No, uh, no, definitely not. <laughs> you can't tell which one of us it definitely is because they are constantly fucking up. Not even a chance. Nope, not one little bit. <laughs> so, anyway, this is. I'm excited about this book. This book's fun so far. Uh, I do, I do like the book so far. It's, uh, it's fine. It's a fine read Mm -hmm. as we've gone through. I think we may have cut it too thin. We're cutting too thin of slices. I was trying to hit for a 14 to 15 episode season like we normally do. And, uh, two chapters might not be enough. It might not. So maybe in the future we'll, we'll accelerate. We'll have to see what we can do to keep this show on pace. Yeah. I mean, maybe we make short episodes. Maybe. Maybe people like those. I don't know. Sometimes hey, people have a 40-minute commute. You know, sometimes people are like, what I want is a 45-minute podcast. And mm-hmm. other people are like, I want three hours of podcast. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we don't make either of those. Yeah, so. so sorry. Maybe check out, I don't know who makes 45-minute podcasts. I'm sure somebody. And then for three hours of boring content, just try Critical Role. Ayo! Hey, what's, what's up? Shots fired. <laughs> I'm sure I'll be able to hit them. My bullet will definitely make it to the top of their $50 million pile of money. (laughs) (sighs) I mean, I don't want to cast too many stones. Mostly the only reasons to cast stones of them are because of their diversity problems and system mastery so white. Yeah. So can't can't blame them. We tried, but it's a two-hander of a show, and I don't want to be replaced. (laughs) I don't want any more hands on here. (laughs) I wouldn't be averse to having a third person, but imagine getting that offer. Ah, hey, you want to come be the third person on this show? (laughs) Ugh. (laughs) Why? Oh, guess. (laughs) Not for a good reason. (laughs) The worst reason. Yeah, so that's why. But anyway, I mean, ultimately, I just can't fathom why people seem to enjoy that's just too long for me. Every episode of Critical Role is like two hours longer than I would want of all of their content together. Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm i not one for actual play in general. Neither am I. And if it is, I'm like, maybe an hour. I that, could maybe do an well, hour. Well, yeah, like, there's only one after actual play I really listen to, and that's not even campaign. Just and that's James D'Amato's very own one shot. One shot, specifically. Not even campaign, just because I don't like long-form stuff. It's not that I don't think that his current world is super cool. Speer, whatever it's... Speer? I've read all about it. Speer? Yeah. Uh, Speer de Yaro. I don't know how to pronounce it, because I don't listen to APs. But, I, but I've read all about it. It looks and sounds super interesting. But that said, one shot's up my right up my speed. It's right up my butt. Right up my butt. One shot's in my butt. Yep. 
Uh-huh. That's where they film. This is the right show for this. Expounded Universe, the one where we talk about role-playing game podcasts. <laughs> Definitely, we've picked the right horse. This is truly where you want to go to find out our opinions on actual play podcasts is our Star Wars novel read-along. <laughs> Look, we're making a lot of episodes today. You're going to have to bear with us. Look, <laughs> we put a lot of effort into this, and sometimes... It all just comes out as goop. <laughs> Sometimes we just have to turn on and then later turn off the content pipe. <laughs> Sometimes all the pipes run to the same hose. <laughs> Sometimes you go to a fancy bar to get your podcast and it's all artisanal and nice and then edited and radio labby. Sometimes you drink from the hose. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you get, you get the towel squeezings of podcasts and that's us. I, that's our new slogan right there. System Mastery Podcast. Drink from the podcast hose. <laughs> it's all hot from the sun. Look at these podcast hose. <laughs> Over there. Uh, well, how do you pronounce that? Podcast hose over there? Foss? Yeah, foss. Fought. 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 Uh, anyway, let's get to it, huh? How about some Star Wars? How about some or Star how, Wars? Or how about how you doing? How about how am I doing? I, well, I mean, I already asked you because, again, we're making a lot of episodes today. But by all means, let's just do the same banter. John, how are you? <laughs> Hold on. Let me check my previous banter. Uh, last time you said you were fine because you went on a fancy date. Yeah. So I this had time, a fancy date. And yeah. It was great. So this time you got to have an answer that's not about your fancy date for the for the lifers who listen to all of this. Oh, yeah. Well, I had a fancy date with you at Cotijan where I had some carne asada fries. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to let you get to uh, second base. <laughs> Yes. Second base on that. Uh, I don't know what your solve for second base is. Uh, we have over the shirt. Is it over the shirt, but but some boob touch. <laughs> Under the Jesus. <laughs> so you can get between my obvious cross necklace, which of course I wear all the time, yeah. and my shirt. Yes. And just sort of touch that kind of touch clavicle area yeah, up at the front right there. there. Feel your heartbeat. <laughs> for the very first time. <laughs> second base. <laughs> There are, of course, eight bases in this. Uh, yeah, of course, because because they're not baseball bases. No, I don't. I don't know what metaphor most people use for their their uh, date success chart, but we use an eight base scale. And also, mine is mostly based on baseball. Yeah, John's is based on baseball. Mine is based on that send out all your vig meme from the like late nineties, where all your bases are belong to me. That's when I get to have sex with you because I have all the bases. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what you say every time. Yeah, you're like all your bases are belong to me, and now make your time <laughs> yeah but right now only second base and belong to me uh, true <laughs> so only send out two zig john they know what they're doing <laughs> ah the freshest memes of the year 2000 <laughs> i mean what else are we gonna talk about harvey or uh harvey dent you won't no uh what's his name steve harvey in his in, in his lex luther costume yeah that's a big thing on the internet right now. That's a hot, fresh meme. Yeah, Steve Harvey looking like a lime. <laughs> Steve Harvey looking like the mayor of the Emerald City. <laughs> <laughs> looking like he's Dr. Quinton about to give Superman some bad news. Oh, just a, that's a That's a look. I'm into it. That motherfucker is galactic police. He's like he the, has the power of willpower. <laughs> he's like if the Matrix had a Green Ranger. <laughs> I love it. 
I love that suit. Memes. I just especially like that they're trying to contrast it to his 90s outfits as if they're bad. Like Look his, at this baggy look, nonsense Yeah, where he's outfit. wearing like a big yellow mask suit. And you're like, yeah, but it was the 90s. Big yellow mask suits were a thing. The mask wore one. <laughs> Didn't you see? <laughs> and he's Rumba Pete. <laughs> yeah, he was Rumba Pete, who's different from Cuba Pete. Exactly. Yeah, when he plays the maracas, the chicks say something different. <laughs> That's exactly what they say. Something different. Something different. <laughs> I would like to consider a third option. <laughs> the worst hole. <laughs> I like anything but country and rap, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Woof. <laughs> Well, don't date that one, obviously. <laughs> obviously, that's the wrong Pete. <sighs> I'm country Pete, and I dance to a country beat. <sighs> okay, now we can waste time on Star Wars. Okay. I mean, I'm also doing fine. Thank you for asking. Obviously. Yes, I'm, I'm Obviously, fine. you're doing fine. I don't know what you need to know about you're me. You're never not doing fine. I'm, You've I'm... never had health problems or any sort of mental issues. God damn it. it is... <laughs> I have spent... I, I called my insurance, because I'm trying to get an adult ADHD treatment right now, mm-hmm. but on state-run insurance, which is a bad combination. Yeah. And re- recently, I called my insurance agency, got eight phone numbers from them for various psychiatrists in San Diego. Four of them were disconnected. Nice. Three of them were not taking new patients. Good. One of them just rang forever. <laughs> the last one told me I'd die in seven days? <laughs> I love how I have to call back my insurance agency now, and they're gonna. I'm gonna have my list. They'll be like, "Look, none of those worked," and they'll be like, "Oh, can you tell me how they didn't work?" Because Lord knows you're one of our employees, I guess. Yeah. Hey, you tell us. <laughs> we don't keep track of this shit. <laughs> my favorite was the one who wasn't taking new patients, and they said I should call back in February. <laughs> it's like, oh, thank you. Well, that's something. Good. Great. I just want some aftermarket basic pills, except I can't have any of them anyway. No, you'll die. No, there are like two focus Dollars. pills. There are two focus pills that lower blood pressure, and I need one of those. Great. Any other one would cause me to explode like an overripe grape. Exactly. If grapes exploded when they were overripe. <laughs> and didn't just turn into raisins, Let's which is what you're currently doing. <laughs> Just because I'm aging at the same speed as all of us, John. You wrinkly old fuck. Not like me, youthful and spry. You're going to be me in like two or three years. You just wait. Uh, I'm entering my John Carpenter phase where I'm going to look like this for the next 35 years. uh, I can only hope I look like this for the next 35 years because someone has embalmed me. Great. Well, that's how I am. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Good. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So we read uh, some chapters. <laughs> so some Star Wars. How about? How about it? <laughs> you and me, babe. How about it? It's a good song. It's, eh, it's all right. I like it a lot. I know you do. Yeah. And then I listened to it because I had never heard it before until you were like, "I really like the song." And then I listened to it and I went, "Why?" We're talking to you right now about Dire Straits' Romeo and Juliet. Uh, a song I particularly enjoy, but I think I might be kind of unique in that. I mean, eh. I just think it's a fun. I mean, generally speaking, I'm I'm a huge fan of everything Dire Straits puts out. They just sound like a like oh hobo rock. They're is hobo great. rock. Yeah, they completely are. They sound like if one of those paintings of hobos playing poker in a jail cell could sing, and it's it's awesome. Yeah, half their songs are even about that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, they're like they have that Tom Waitsy thing where all their songs are like, "What are you singing about?" Uh, this one guy can't get health insurance, and his wife is no good. Oh yeah, no, they they are basically if a pack of cigarettes could sing, yeah, that's them. Yeah, 
the factory fired me. This is in that in that spectrum of Bruce Springsteen music where it's just all about how the United States is shitty. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a fan. It's great. It's good stuff. Tom Petty almost there, mostly just sings about how he knows individual women from individual states. Every Tom Petty song is always like, I know a girl from Louisiana and she's pretty great. Here's the song. Hey. <laughs> Coming up next, I also know a girl from Idaho. Pretty good. Pretty good. She's great. Love her. <laughs> top 10. I knew a girl. Definitely in the top 50. Wyoming. Pretty shit. Not going to lie. <laughs> uh, yep. Okay. So uh, moving on, it's now time to meet the sort of damsel in distress of this book. And I don't know if that's actually what she's going to end up being, but definitely in terms of, of the detective novel, Deja is the character who's going to come striding into our hero's office. Well, yeah. I mean, just from reading the back of the book, we know that uh, our artist here, what's his name? I don't know. Vesvolette. Uh Yeah. Ve Vesel. Ve yeah. Jim, well, Jim Caviezel. Jim Caviezel. No, his name is Vesvolette. And yes, he is Vesvolette is a light artist. Yes. He sculpts light. I, I assume it probably looks like lightsabers that aren't dangerous. I assume he, at the end of it, has what looks like one of those neon bar signs. <laughs> I assume he just draws uh, homey paintings of villages. I assume he just draws dicks. He's the painter of light of Star Wars. Uh, ah, uh, Thomas Kincaid jokes. <laughs> We're getting all art history with Andre Serrano in the last one. Hey. <laughs> but yes, he is our sort of main subject of this chapter, but we also get... D. John Mustard, who mm -hmm. is the lover and confidant of Vess. And they use shorthand here to, uh, to let us know that she is a sexy babe with gams for miles because of her species. Uh, now, we've already got a badass hot uh, Twi'lek in, the, uh, in this book. Yeah. In, uh, in what's her name? L Lanthum or Loranth. Loranth. I got closer this time. I don't know why that name won't stay in my head. That's fine. Yeah, but anyway, uh, so we can't have two, we can't have another one of those. So instead, she's the go-to ultra sexy kind of vapid race of Star Wars, a Zeltron. Yeah, the pink ones, right? The pink, yeah, they're hot pink. They're oh, hot. They're hot and pink. They're hot and pink and hot pink. Indeed. Mm -hmm. uh, so we don't get any descriptions of her of her here really, but just by letting us know that she's Zeltron, we already know that that the entire universe thinks they're super hot, that they have empathic qualities that make them, that they use instinctively to make themselves more desirable to people who meet them. Yeah, they're already hot, and then they use empathy to be even hotter. They use bonus hot. It's They're a weird species. They're like the Asari. Yeah. Yeah, they're a lot like the Asari, where everyone... Everyone thinks they're hot for some reason. Yeah, the only difference being that, that the Zeltron do have, you know, genders. Yes. They, they have, uh, there's male and female Zel Zeltron where I, I don't remember how Asari work. I think they have to get impregnated by other species. Oh, they get like psychically impregnated. Oh, is that? Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I thought they had like, they, they were like a leech species and they had to hook up with other species or something, but that's a hard thing to evolve. Yeah. No, yeah. it's, it's just, yeah, we can commune with whoever and then we just have a baby. Okay. Yeah. You have a horrible baby and then, and then, uh, you could do a mission, a renegade mission to help her kill her own mom. Yeah. And then she joins your team instead. Hell yeah. And they get Morinth. Mm. And you don't want to hook her up. Well, she'll kill you. So. She'll kill you. Yeah, she's badass. She's bad news. No one ever uses when her. When she walked anything. in the door, I knew. <laughs> have you ever used Morinth in a playthrough? Yes. You have? Oh, okay. You've done a Renegade run, huh? Yes. Okay, that makes sense. I did three runs where I was like, all right, I'll do my normal run, and then I'll do a light run and a bad run. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I, I have a hard time getting away from my all-engineers team, or as many engineers as possible. 
because I like Engineer. It's my favorite class in that game. That one followed by uh, Infiltrator. Oh, I know I, everyone else in the world is 100% on Team Vanguard forever. Oh, I love Infiltrator so much. One shot, one kill forever. Yes. But then, you know, the second best being just being a pinball with a shotgun. Of yeah. course. For some reason, I fucking love Engineer. And it's specifically, I know those pets are worthless, but what I love to do with them is just use AI. They're, by the way, Mass Effect 2, for anybody who's completely lost. Uh, I like to just summon the ball and then watch the person jump backwards to try and shoot at it from a distance and then headshot Oh, them. yeah, they'll jump out of cover and be like, well, I gotta get that ball. I gotta get that ball. And you're like, yeah, perfect. Can I headshot you? It's like an infiltrator who can, scoop, who can spook people out of cover. The ball. Fatiga, uh, Ratika Fast Paws or whatever. Ratika Fast Paws. Faster than Fatika Fast... It's what fucking uh, Tali says. Fatika Fastbender? Yeah, it's Fatika Fastbender. Uh, that's famously my, Michael Magneto. Fastbender's kid. <laughs> famously uh, Magneto. Famously Magneto, yeah. No, she, she called it Chitika Fast Paws, I think she says. It's it's a reference from Mass Effect to Baldur's Gate. Hmm. Because uh, she says, when she summons her, her little orb, she says, Faster than Chitika Fast Paws, which is like... Uh, one of the the uh, Baldur's Gate characters has like a pet named that or something. I'm sure it's some kind of raccoon. Probably. I mean, it's it's probably something special because you already have Minsk and Boo to contend with. I, there's only so many cute furry things that I Baldur's mean, Gate was able to pack in. Droods. Yeah, you got Drood. Yeah, yeah. Plus, you got I think uh, Yawn counts as a cute furry thing as well in Baldur's Gate lore. I don't know. I think uh, Bess little... counts as a cute furry thing in this. Oh right. Should we get back to this book? Eh. So yeah, uh, Deja and Vess are talking. Yeah, and upcoming is Vess's show. He has a art show that mm -hmm. is this evening, but there are troubling rumors afoot. Yes. Also, it's probably worth noting at this point that we already mentioned that Deja is Zeltron. Uh, Vess is Kamasi. Uh, which the book does not go into great, great detail on. Just All mention, we know is he's got a fucking mane. Yeah, he's got fur on him. He's got golden fur on his shoulders and neck. Yeah. Um, and that's the full extent of our description of what his species looks like. We get a little bit more about what they kind of can do. Yeah, we get we get a lot about sort of what their deal is, but not what they look like. Yes, but he is Kamasi and not a, not a human. So or our human count in this book so far is surprisingly low. It's at like one. Yeah. No, I guess it's two counting that Typho had the prologue. Ah. So there you go. Uh, so anyway, the two of them are, yeah, they're, they're, she's a little worried that he's overworking himself. Uh, he's got this big art show coming up where he's going to be making all kinds of sculptures out of cool light. Well, he's already got a whole bunch of sculptures. This is just showing it to people. Yes. The thing is, there are troubling rumors, and she's trying to be like, don't look into it. You're about to do basically the biggest art show of your life like this is a make or break huge deal for you you should really be focused on that and not these rumors that said the rumors are pretty pretty uh intense that the rumor is basically that his entire species is about to get exterminatist yeah i mean it's one thing if you're like don't pay attention to the rumors and the rumors are like oh someone said you're having an affair you're like okay i won't pay attention to that but when the rumor is your entire species might have just been genocided. You're like, I should probably, I don't know, look into it. Yeah, yeah. So he's kind of like, no, don't just don't dismiss this. This seems like it might be super important. Like this is kind of a thing. If all of my people are dead, I should, you know, maybe find out about that. Yeah, and it is worth noting that they are also on Coruscant. It's probably near some kind of street, maybe of shadows. Mm, yeah. Some kind of shadowy street. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it doesn't take him long from 
dismissing her her uh, attempt to get him to not pay attention to his, the genocide of his own people uh, to just go to the space internet, which I'm glad to see here we just have space internet. Oh, yeah. He's like, look, I'm just going to go on the net and look up what's going on and immediately finds a news article that's like, ah, a terrible accident has befallen Kamas. Yeah. And they blame it on uh, some rogue... Uh, munitions from the Clone War that were still floating around that just happened to, like, slam into the planet. Yeah, the article says, like, mysterious disaster strikes Kamas. And they say, like, uh, a cluster of high-yield super droid warheads, no doubt of separatist origin, have slammed into the planet, causing untold devastation. They've slammed into the planet, and now they're gonna jam into the planet. <laughs> They have slammed into the planet and bought it drinks. And a huge amount of the population has died. The current estimate is something like 85% of all the Kamasi on the planet are gone. Yeah, because this was not quite, you know, Death Star level, but just a huge cluster of ridiculous bombs went off. And basically anyone who wasn't, way far away on the other side of the planet from wherever it hit or like super underground or anything like that or off planet yeah is dead now yes now no he, he immediately is like okay that's not an accident they're trying to say that it's like a floating cluster of separatist mus missiles that accidentally hit the planet the odds of that are at, literally astronomical because it's a big fucking galaxy and he's even like it's compounded by the fact that kamas is a core world planet yeah so there's almost a zero chance that someone was just like ah yes out here in the very well-traveled space lanes they just left a giant cluster of bombs hanging out mm -hmm. he's like this would have been absolutely astronomically unlikely in the outer reaches like if you were in the outer rim this still would have been very unlikely to happen but here no, it's this not, was definitely the Emperor. It definitely, yeah, it's definitely the Emperor already calling himself that. This is one year after Order 66. He moved quick into calling himself Emperor Palpatine. Oh, yeah, and he's just like, I know Palpatine would do this because it's just, like, the kind of thing that crazy motherfucker would do. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt he's making a message to somebody about something, and he's picked us because we're... Well, there's a couple of reasons. Notably, the Kamas are a notoriously pacifistic people. Yeah. Uh, they're very technologically advanced, but uh, they're so morally well-guided that it's it's rumored that when the Jedi were coming up with their codes and oaths, they visited the planet Kamas to discuss how to form the Jedi Order with these, these mystic pacifists. Yeah, and they were opposed to the military order for uh, the Clone Wars. And they have never taken a Republic military. They have always just maintained a militia on planet of their own people. Yep. And so they're also now, uh, the other reason is they're against all of the like tax hikes and things that the Empire was doing on pretty much anything that wasn't fascist military because... Palpatine was like, oh, if you're doing art or philosophy or any bullshit that isn't putting a laser gun in a dude in White's hands, mm -hmm. I don't give a shit. So you're going to pay for it. Yeah. So he's he's launched some sort of and plus all the kicking all the non-humans off Coruscant thing has got to be at least modestly unpopular with this species of non-humans. Yeah. So so obviously they've got some issues, but it's not like they're on a military footing. They're just being vocal. They're they're citing their concerns. Oh, yeah. That's enough to piss off Palpatine. 
And it's also enough to go, this is the type of target that is basically like Alderaan, and then it's like, what is this? Just a peaceful planet of people that weren't doing anything, that were just hanging out. Yeah, and if we blow them up, everyone will know, oh, if you're willing to blow up these guys, you'll do anything. You're fucking crazy. Yes. So he has a brief moment where he remembers his childhood on Kamas and how he grew up near like a nice pretty lake or whatever. Yes, There's... he's having himself a nice memness. Yeah, he well, he, he has a memness at first, which is to him is just like a sense memory where he kind of goes off into his own little mind palace and is like, yes, I remember being a boy and and living on a night in, in a nice forest by a meadow and a stream and and learning that I would love the arts from my narrative father. And then he gets hit with a real memness. Well, if that's a memness. He gets hit by Memni yeah, after yeah, that. a bunch of them. Because it turns out that one function of Kamas people that we, or the Kamasi, that we do get to know is that they have a minor psychic link with each other. Kind of a, the, you remember when Obi-Wan was like, oh no, I just sensed a bunch of deaths in New Hope. They can kind of do that for all kinds of events with each other. It's, I mean, the way the book says it is, essentially, they'll share memories with people. Usually it's uh, specifically like, uh, traumatic events or things that are troubling because their whole deal is like we're super pacifistic but we're super communal and we like to lift each other up and it's easier to get over your trauma if you can share with other people mm -hmm. and instead of just being able to like sit down and talk about it you can just straight up share your sense memories with people. Yeah, effectively, there's this is the other axis of the scale of Star Wars species. We obviously have uh, quivering heap to fuck to, to, to uh, fuck havers or yep. sex havers. The other uh, stri stripe, the, the that's let's call that the the horizontal axis. That's the x axis. Yeah. the sex axis, if you will. Exactly, and meanwhile, the vertical, the 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 y axis, so to speak runs between super enlightened pacifists with ultra psychic powers to help them be the better than everybody else uh, down to the bottom, which is hunters that stole spaceships to get off planet. Oh yeah. You have the, 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 the axis where it's like, we're the best bounty hunters. Don't mind all the other species that say they're the best bounty mm -hmm. hunters. It's us. Cause we've got, I don't know, tusks or vibrations whatever. or whatever. Yeah. We have sensey horns. And uh, and super teeth. We could lick the air or some shit. Yeah, great. I can taste your pee. <laughs> and and, and uh, that's why I'm great. That's whip heads for you. They got a thing. But but basically, th there's these two axes. And that way you can plot a chart for any species of Star Wars uh, based on whether they're a quivering heap or a sex haver and whether they're an enlightened pacifist or a uh, predatory fuck, uh, fuck beast. Yeah. And now, obviously, Zeltron, uh, the sex haver and enlightened pacifist all the way in that corner yeah that's your that's that they've corner. got empathy and they're just hot to everyone so yeah and then at the far end you've got i i'd say at the bottom of that where it, they're they're uh super sex havers but they're also ultra warlike like probably the yavithans uh where they they have like a whole species culture based around sex but also about killing each other to make babies and but also murdering every other species in the galaxy. So that's that's the bottom on that side. And then you, you could do this. Yeah. I mean, you've got the quivering heaps that are also the best at killing, which are the Yuzhan Vong. Yeah. And then the quivering heaps, which are ultra good at fucking and, and loving sex. And that's huts. Well, huts because they're like always super horny for anything with well, two it's legs. it's not being good at sex. It's being enlightened. That's the other uh, one. Right. You're right. I'm sorry. So it's the warlike great at fighting and then also oh, so like a, a heap. 
Like like uh, no, that's the Eugene Vaughn. Yeah, Eugene. Yeah, no, we've got this. We'll we'll Hold write on. it. We'll write it down for later. This is a lot of. I'll new make a lore. meme of this. Yeah, we're making a lot of new lore now to introduce to the the expounded universe universe. Because uh, we've always had the quivering heap to sex haver uh, scale, but now we're adding bounty hunter to super pacifist. So now we've got this whole new entire world to play in. Yeah, and wait until we make this thing fucking 3D. I don't know what it's going <laughs> to be. You just wait until we get a Tesseract of Star Wars what qualities. The, that friggin' Z-axis is going to be, but it's going to be four midichlorian counts or some shit. <laughs> uh, but Actually, yes. I think I already know what it is. Played by little people, played by not little people. Because there's like eight species that are in the movies are played by the, your Ewoks. Oh, I thought you said plagued. Plagued by little people. I was like, who the fuck is plagued by little people? Oh, I don't know. Uh, the main character of Tiptoes. <laughs> God damn, I was so confused. Say it, dwarf. Like, you gotta fucking say it. I was like, wait a minute. I guess, I guess maybe Leia and her like Nogri guard. <laughs> I don't know, man. This is weird. <laughs> Played. I meant that there's. There's two height standards in Star Wars. You've got six feet tall and three and a half feet tall for all the Ewoks, Jawas, Ugnaughts, Lanix, whatever the fuck Yoda is. All of them are roughly the same height. And then there's a second branch for people who are played by tall people. So you get the idea. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm not really, that's not really the Z axis. We'll figure it out for later. But the X and Y, gold, solid, 100%. Clear. Clear as day. That's definitely what it is. Yeah. We'll, we'll have a graphic for that by the end of the week i on your desk mr mr harrison <laughs> i promise uh but yes so Vess is off in his own little sense memory where for these people occasionally a memnus will be like oh it's usually triggered by some sort of stress or danger or something like that and they retreat into a memory that has something to do with it and so you know, it's very vivid. It's like actually reliving it. Yes. And because they can share that and millions of them just died, apparently everyone's last act was to send out their I'm dying sense memory into the universe mm -hmm. so that every other Kamasi uh, would be like, oh, shit. Yeah. And so that is what's happening to him. Interesting to note that th that means that the uh, Memnus being sent, Memni being sent out by the dying Kamasi of the planet Kamas moves at a speed much slower than the news. Yes. <laughs> hey, thoughts slow. It's thought. Yeah. I mean, granted, that's because the, the news probably transmits it like above light speed. Oh, yeah. Well, and also probably this was state sanctioned news. Then they had that article up as the bombs were <laughs> dropping. It released like a few minutes. There. Oh, new news drop. Oh, whoops. Got to blow up the planet still. Sorry. Oh, our hold bad. On. Hold on. Hold on. We have a bit of a leak. It's okay. Anyone who's there that could tell us that it was wrong. Isn't going to be soon. Yeah. But it is neat to think that the news is already out published in print and he's reading it and he's like, damn, this sucks. And then all of a sudden he gets hit by the wave of death memories from everybody on his own planet. I mean, I assume it's because he just opened himself up to his own memness mm -hmm. that now that he's in that like psychically open space, then it just floods in with everyone else gets him and he just gets rocketed around. Uh, he he's having a hard time of it. He's stumbling around. He's trying to keep his balance. He's sensing the endless screams of, of countless billions of people, men, women, and children. Oh yeah. I mean the thing with this, when he's, we're talking about it, and he's like, yeah, it's really hard for me to stay sane right now. And I'm like, I get it because normally you would share like a memory with someone and having even millions 
of people give you their memories at one time would be like, oh, that's that's enough to just explode my mind. And especially, I mean, at least the one thing is that they're pretty much all the same thing that they're sending out right now. I am dying. So it's not like <laughs> oh, you have shit, a, explosion. So it's not like you have a wide range of experiences to deal with. It's all deaths. But still, that's that's a billions of deaths at once, which is which is its own kind of horrible. Yeah. Definitely not the kind of thing you want your species to evolve to do. I mean, it's normally fine if it's just like, oh man, I my uncle died and I'm real sad about it and I'm going to share memories with someone so that we can talk about it and it'll be fine. It's less good when you're like, oops, genocide. Uh, yeah, genocide, I assume, let's just say airline accident. Eh. You still have like, oh geez, 300 people just yelled at me that they're dying. This, this was a bad day. <laughs> uh. Anyway, he is... Like, notably, immediately d picks up that something's wrong. She has her own kind of empathy. So she's like, oh, God, something's wrong with my partner. Uh, I need to help him. So she tries to guide him to, like, bed or a chair. And in his own mind, he's like, that's pointless. What? It doesn't matter where I am. I am experiencing billions of deaths. Oh, yeah. Because the way that the whole Memnist thing works, he's like, I can't even tell. Like, you could put me anywhere, do whatever. Because right now, I am in the memory. Like, I am not here at all. Yeah. So it takes him a few minutes, but eventually he manages to kind of claw his way out of this absolute pit of torment of feeling his species and planet die. Oh, yeah. And you have to be real sad for him. And then Deej, who's like, okay, I'm empathic, so I could definitely feel your whole terror thing going on there. And then when he goes, oh, yeah, everyone just died and I felt it. Mm -hmm. and she's like, oh, Okay, so I know at the beginning of this chapter I was like, hey, don't worry about rumors and just do your show. We should probably cancel? You want to cancel? You want, let's go. I'll go ahead and start the cancellation. He's like, no, definitely don't cancel. That's how the Emperor wins. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, no, I don't think the Emperor knows about your art show. I think the Emperor already w wins by blowing up your planet. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, if a few Kamasi managed to wander the universe and be like i'm also here he's not like oh my plans are foiled <laughs> he didn't want to get rid of you because that was the plan he just wanted a planet to blow up he also didn't want to cancel your art show <laughs> ah the assorted nuts improv group must play or the terrorists have won <laughs> i mean that's i like the very personal touch the palpatine was like i hate that friggin' light art how do I stop him? What's the, I could just, I could just decree it not happening. It's on my planet and I'm here or, and bear with me on this. <laughs> now this is thinking outside the box. <laughs> what if I destroy his species? Not him though? Nah, nah, yeah, nah, nah, nah Okay, nah. hold on. You, you, you gotta stick with me. You stay, hold on. It's the whole thing. There's a whole, it's five steps. Okay. How so much about Kamasi do you know? That's important. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But yeah, no, he's like, we have to put the show on. I'm not going to go there because I'm absolutely fucked. Yes. But you open the doors, let the people in, and show them the pieces and whatnot. And apologize on my behalf. Like, yeah. just tell them I couldn't be there because of a illness, a, a illness but, but let them see the pieces and, and uh, this show must go on. Yeah. And his whole thing is, I make art pieces that are supposed to be like emotion representative mm -hmm. he's not doing like oh i made an art piece and it looks like a sexy lady lounging somewhere he's <laughs> he's not making mud flaps no no he's not he's making, making covers for swing albums yeah okay he's, he's making like abstract light art that when you look at it you're like oh this evokes the emotion of peace in me 
and the flared bass means I can put it in my butt. <laughs> I am now just imagining so many pieces of art with a flared bass, like <laughs> Starry Night with a flared bass, Michelangelo's David with a flared bass. <laughs> yeah, I just the I second said, you said that, I was like, oh no. But Jason Michelangelo's David, eighteen feet tall. Look, I built, <laughs> I build for safety. <laughs> Look, safety first, and then we'll get into how it's done. Don't talk to me about how there aren't 35-foot-tall people with butts that need to have Michelangelo's David in them. I don't know what the future brings. <laughs> this is future-proofing. This is future- flared base, future-proof. <laughs> the girl with the flared earring. I know why Mona Lisa has that enigmatic smile. She's been in my butt. <laughs> it took forever to get her out because that painting is tiny and no flared base. <laughs> And that's why we future proof. <laughs> Good Lord. Gross, what are we doing? Grossest joke. <laughs> uh, especially in such poor taste, considering what we're describing. I know. You know, the fictional genocide of an alien species. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he, in an attempt to, uh, Deja leaves. So she's going to go do the art show stuff. But in an attempt to calm himself down, he goes and starts working on a new art piece. Yeah. And he's. I mean, just going to pour all of his grief and problems and everything that's going on right now into a new light piece that will make everyone look at it and go, oh, I wish those people weren't genocided. Yes. And so he builds a big cone of light and then he starts flooding it with various gases to light it up in various ways. It's like, it's like he's working in neon. Yeah. That's, well, I it, mean, he does put neon in there and xenon and argon yeah he's argon. working in noble gas but literally he's working in the process that we consider usually call neon which is just running charges through. yeah that's why yeah. i said all of his art is just shit you find in a bar window it makes me wonder if it is enclosed in glass like a neon tube would be or if he's got it freestanding with plasma guards like uh lightsabers i mean it says that he's got the plasma in there so i have to assume it's just a freestanding light thing yeah, in which case, is it dangerous? Would you cut your own hand off if you touched his art? Or has he found a way to make it not super bad? Uh, I mean, I would assume at the end of it, if it's freestanding, you put glass around it. Yeah, that's probably safer. Yeah. Now, what's going to suck is if you lose power and then you're like, oh, oh shit, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Grant, if you lose power right now, you're going to flood the room because the, the plasma conduits will stop holding the freestanding sculpture and the room will be full of neon and argon and xenon, yeah. most of which aren't super dangerous because they're noble, so they don't really inter- interact with your body in any way, but they will replace the oxygen in your lungs and stay in there because they're heavier than air. Yeah. So, I mean, you'd have dangerous. to, you probably want to be, you know, masked up when you're working on one of these light sculptures. Yeah. Have you ever seen footage of someone breathing like xenon or whatever so they can, because you know how when you breathe helium, it makes your voice sound all goofy? Oh, yeah. Because it's Cause high, you go, lighter. Yeah. You yeah. get uh, higher, but with that, you're just like, I'm the devil. Yeah. You go, oh, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. All of a sudden, it's great. Yeah. And then you die. Cause and then and then you're dead. You don't want to breathe that crap. It's, it's funny because I've seen it several times and they always die. They always die right away. And they send their memories out to bother their their uh, their the members of their species who ha- who were like, don't do that. Hey, come on. <laughs> I'm walking here. I'm breathing xenon here. Uh, but that is the end of that chapter. That is where we leave yeah, this. Him- Re- looking at his sculpture and realizing that he is crafting a cairn for his world. Yes. That was the end this, of that. This will be a memento mori. Mm-hmm. And then we move on. And uh, unfortunately, the next chapter is pretty much just... Well, it's J- Jax. It's Jax having the same thing, but Jedi style instead of Kamasi style. Yeah, I mean, when we start, Jax is trying to get used to his brand new sword. Yes. 
He's he's got one of them floaty target shooty things from uh, New Hope, and it's 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 zipping him with little lasers, and he manages to block five shots, but then the sixth one gets him. Yeah, and it's uh it's interesting the the whole new sword thing because it does have the like plasma sheath to it. Yes, so he can use it just like a lightsaber for deflecting bullets, but it also has weight, which is a new element to introduce to lightsaber fighting. Yeah, and he at that point is even going like, God damn it, Lorenth was right. We should have figured out how to use things that weren't lightsabers. Yeah, notably, this is his chapter for casting a lot of... He's he's going through some things. He did not make it all that high up in the Jedi Order as a person. He had just barely become a knight when, when Order 66 went down and all of the stuff that he had become accustomed to over his life was suddenly taken from him. Oh, yeah. We learned and given some- that you're taken, like... When you are a wee child. Yes. And that happened to him. And we get some interesting stuff about how that worked with him. Notably, he was picked to become a Jedi from whatever world he's from. We don't know yet. But his dad was like, no, that's bullshit. I don't want my son taken away and raised as a super monk. And when he had no choice in the matter, he was like, fuck it. I'll go work at the Jedi Temple so I could be near my kid. Yeah. He's like, I guess I'll be a Jedi janitor then. Yeah. I'm going to go do something in your building and be working maintenance just so I can keep tabs on my kid. Yeah. Which, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's fucked up about the uh, the Jedi. Imagine if Anakin had just thought to do that. Wait, let's just bring my mom, too. I mean, she's a slave. It seems like it's pretty obvious we should. Yeah. <laughs> but no, because that's attachments, and you can't have attachments. We're monks or some shit. Anyway, oops, you're evil. Who could have seen that coming? Yeah. Uh, so his dad came with him, and... He, he grew up around his dad along with the Jedi Order. That, so he's got a bit of a different perspective than like an Anakin does. Um, he notably thinks that it's the Jedi's own fault that they got Order 66 because they had become so hidebound. Oh, yeah. We get even more uh, stuff about like, oh, the Jedi's were uh, just waiting on this prophecy of the Chosen One. Mm-hmm. They're that... all rattling around about the fucking Chosen One. Yeah, they're like, oh, well, we'll just wait until that happens. No and need to were... be proactive. Yeah, they were just sitting on their laurels going, oh, and the Chosen One shows up, then things will be changed up and we'll do whatever. Mostly but... because they'd all eh. interpreted what bring balance to the Force means to be beneficial to them. Yeah. They were all like, he'll bring balance to the Force, which pretty much means that we get to be cool Jedi forever and nothing bad will happen, as opposed to... Well, right now there's a lot of Jedi and not a lot of Sith. I sure hope he doesn't balance that. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the fact that he is trying to do this nonsense with a sword and thinking about the Jedi and is kind of distracted mm-hmm. means eventually I-5 shows up mm-hmm. and is like, hey, dude, what's going on? Yeah, he mostly pops up right after he gets hit by one of the lasers. Uh, and uh, he's like, ah, damn it. Uh, the i five's trying to be nice. Which yeah, he's is, like, look, man, you got five of them. That's real good. Yeah, and it doesn't. He's like, it doesn't matter if it's the first one or the sixth one that gets me. Any one of them kills me. So it, this is still a failure. I five. Yeah, and then i five is my favorite character. Is he's like, really, that's weird because I think it's working fine. And then shoots him, <laughs> shoots at him, and he immediately re- reflexively blocks the shot. Yeah, he from the finger laser turns the sword on and blocks it in one movement. And he's like, look, man. Here's the speed of light goes X speed. The distance between us is Y. You have to have known your Jedi skills are working fine. Mm -hmm. It's just you have to believe in your shit right now. You're kind of down in the dumps. Yeah. So 
Get your shit together, my dude. He's all. This is also how we find out all that stuff about his father, Jax's father, Lorne, uh, because because th- Lorne made I five. Lorne made I five, or at least bought him and messed with him. Yeah, he fucked around with a protocol droid and was like, "Tee I'm gonna give you sentience." Yeah, I can't remember what he says here, but I five says something about his his father or the Jedi Order or something. Oh yeah, no, basically the, the 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 you guys got yourselves killed or whatever. Oh yeah, there's there is a line where he's talking about like the Jedi Order and essentially how stiltified they were. Yes, they had gotten all kinds of monkish. Yeah, and he's like, man, <laughs> you, because he, he does the whole like speed of light thing and your mm-hmm. powers are fine. And Jax goes, hey, are you carrying a Jedi Master template in that brain? He's like, oh, maker forbid. I'd like to think that even pre-programmed mechanical intelligences are less rigid than the Jedi were. Yeah. And he's Immediately. like, oh, ooh, shit. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Oh, Everyone you know is dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love how I-5, the, the, from what we've gathered so far, I-5's whole deal is that he's morose and sarcastic, but all, like kind of a Marvin the Paranoid Android archetype, but also kind of nice. No, he's, in especially in this chapter, like... He's super nice. Mm-hmm. He understands as soon as he it comes out of his mouth. He's like, "Oh shit, I fucked up. I'm I should, sorry. I should not have done that. That was uh, that's on me." So he's he's immediately ready with the apologies. Like, look, the whoopsie do. And and uh, notably, Jax is like, "Nah, man, you're you're right. I mean, <laughs> like they were they fucked themselves up. Yeah, they just did not understand anything. And this I don't is when know we- how you could look at Anakin and not see that he was going evil. This is how we get the name drop. He knew Anakin. The two of them were roughly the same age and were roughly at the same point uh, in their training when Anakin went off on his series of adventures that eventually culminated in the Mustafar stuff. Yeah, and we also find, like, he says every Jedi has their own way of perceiving the Force. Like, Mm -hmm. his master always thought of it as water. Yes. And he thinks of it as strings. Mm -hmm. So when he you know, uses something to grab something with the force, he's like making a lasso with strings. If he's doing a, I'm going to like jump farther or run faster, he imagines strings of force pulling him. Yeah, lifting him up off the ground like a like like a, a Peter Pan in a play. Uh, and it, yeah, his master is another, it was another name drop that I recognized because he, he uh, called him Master P.L., uh, who's a character I know because I know all the names of the Phantom Menace Jedi who were sitting around in the council chamber. Uh, <laughs> but but he's the he's the little short pink dude with the giant dog ears. Okay, great. Yeah. Anyway, he's, he's the little Dobby. He's yeah. He looks like a Dobby. He looks like a, a like a military grade Dobby, <laughs> like a weaponized Dobby. And uh, anyway, just it was kind of cool. I, the weird thing is I wouldn't have thought of of uh, PL as a water guy. Yeah. No. Apparently that's so. his thing. Yeah. But, but yeah, he's like when I when I visualize people, I see the threads that connect me to them, and the threads that connect them to other people. The aura is just a bunch of threads coming off of them. Mm-hmm. And eventually, what I saw from Anakin was just like a fucking black blanket that was going everywhere. Oh that, yeah, that guy was freaking me out. No, by the time he had gotten old enough that we were both, you know, doing Jedi Knight type of stuff, mm-hmm. he was just black threads coming off him. Yeah, and. If I could see that, why the fuck couldn't anyone else? The important thing is several of them could. Like, uh, I, I think it was, I, I know Mace Windu was like, I don't like this shit. This kid's got problems. I don't want him on my team. And Yoda was the one who was all super hidebound about the, the prophecy and like, no, trust in the prophecy. Bring bounds to the force. This one will. And you're just like, come on, man. <laughs> just use your little Yoda eyes and be like, oh, no, super evil this guy is. Oh, fuck us up. He will. Mm. <laughs> Only reason we think he's the chosen one. No sex his mother had. Could have been lying, maybe. 
I mean, that's that's the whole thing is that he's a virgin birth, which was part of the whole thing of the force, the virgins of the fourth thing, which is like, you know, I feel like 90% of virgin births are, you know, just lies. Maybe maybe do some work on that first. I <laughs> I like that even in here, there's a point where I think it's I-5 is like, yeah, your dad was pretty much anti, not just Jedi, but religion in general. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, as soon as you give over your own, like, willingness to do things to a religion, that's like, oh, I should be out there doing whatever, but this says I can just hang out here and pray? Mm-hmm. Great. He's like, you fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm getting ghost dad from, like, uh, Dexter vibes for his father. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of nice to know that that he was like, look, son, don't get all hidebound like these dudes. You got to think for yourself. And, you know, nice thing is that that's the same thing with his Twi'lek buddy. She's like, no, I, we don't do that. We we train to fight in all kinds of cool ways and not rely entirely on the force because that shit's for people who want to get, you know, Order 66. Yeah. If, if all you do is sit around and meditate all day, you're going to get got. Yeah. So this is around this point, we get with this little epiphany of his where he's like, man, the Jedi really did do a number on everybody. That's when he gets hit by the force wave of the death of everybody on Kamas. Yeah, we get the exact same callback thing to Obi-Wan, you know, yeah. a million voices cried out and were silent. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is equally as fucked about it as uh, Obi-Wan was. Mm-hmm. And just for confirmation, he's like, okay, maybe... Maybe that was just some weird thing and it's not true. He goes into the other room and sees that Loranth is, even though she is a hard ass that shows no emotion, is looking absolutely fucking haunted. Yeah, she got all rattled by that. And and he's like, what the hell happened? And she already knows. She's like, that was Kamas. Yeah, I looked that shit up immediately. Yeah, something, uh, uh, an awful explosion happened on Kamas. And both of them, especially Jax, right away are like, that's not an accident. That's the fucking emperor. And they know why, too. They're like, he's he's picked a target that everybody likes and murdered them out of spite to show that he'll do it to anybody. Oh, yeah. He's like, what are you, man? You on some planet somewhere? Look, I murdered these guys for no reason, mm-hmm. and it got me nothing. He did the opposite of the prison yard move. Yeah. He found he found the biggest, weakest target and, and, and took them out and was like, now who wants to fuck with me? <laughs> yeah. No, he just found, like, oh, who's the one that everyone likes here? I murder him and go, come at me, fucker. Yes. So he's... He's throwing down the gauntlet. And this is the weirdest moment for me, because this is pretty much the end of the chapter. Uh, we're, we're more or less done here. But at the end of the, mo- the thing, uh, we get Jax going like, the Emperor did this, and I know why the Emperor did this, and I also know how the Emperor did this. And one thing I know for sure, based on all of that, Anakin is alive. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, in the middle of this wave of death that I felt from all of these people, maybe related, maybe not. I just felt through the force that Anakin Skywalker is alive. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Okay, I guess it's just a weird coincidence of timing, but it's a big deal to him, and I don't know why yet. Maybe that's the thing that happened well, to the previous. I mean, he doesn't know that Darth Vader is Anakin and Skywalker. Notably, we already know that in the first book, he got into a fight with Darth, with, with, exactly. old, with old Vader, so he does not know that's Anakin in there. Oh, yeah. No one does. Yes. It's basically just Obi-Wan and Yoda, I think. Yes. Yeah, they're not telling anybody. In fact, at this point, they should already both be in hiding. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, this is uh, the end of that. We get that revelation, which I assume means 
given that the third book has like the cover is this guy fighting Vader, he's going to figure out that Anakin is Vader at some point, probably in this book. I'm sure that'll end well for him. What I'm, with Vader starring in the next series of movies. I'm sure it'll go great. <laughs> we'll never know. We're doing the middle book. And nothing else. <laughs> What's that you say? One of these has Prince Shizor and the other of climactic battle with Vader? Fuck that. We're gonna... I want to talk about some light artist. We're going to stick to the one where the biggest name drops are Typho and Aura Singh. <laughs> uh, yep, not great. No, perfect. <laughs> people get tired of those major characters, John. They want they want to learn about new people. They want to learn about weird magicians. They want to learn about Deja. Uh-huh. Deja's nuts. <sighs> he does call Deja Dej, by the way, and every time <laughs> during that book, he was like, oh, Dej, and I'm like, Deej nuts. Anyway, <laughs> just my brain like poking in from off screen. Deej nuts. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that's the end of the the two chapters we read this time. It's just a, a big horrible experience occurs, uh, puts everybody on edge, and sets uh, Deja on a path where she will eventually walk into their office looking for help with gams for days. Just gams that go from here to Coruscant. Wait, we're on Coruscant. Here to um the the outer rim. How about that? The Tatooine. Yeah. 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 I like to get in that outer rim, you know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe you should take some sort of employment there, some sort of outer rim job. Yes. Yes. Mayhap. Hmm. One might think. Now, if you want more information about Star Wars and you like what we do for some reason and you haven't turned it off yet, you can go over to patreon.com slash system mastery. Join us at that $2 level we are going over to Wikipedia. We're finding a bunch of nonsense that will stem from what we've learned today. Yeah, more than likely. Uh, you know, it's not a guarantee, but usually we try to find something that's got to do with the show we just or just did. You know, we've learned a lesson here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we're going to share that lesson with you if you give us $2. I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> middle of the process of you giving us $2. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, go over patreon.com slash system mastery. Mm -hmm. Join us there. That also unlocks the bonus content for our system mastery. You get, it unlocks about six episodes a month of bonus content. It is definitely a pro click. Yep. And if you can't support us financially, you can always support us on wherever you listen to your podcasts, rate and review. Give us a nice shout out. Mm -hmm. Give me something I can read. And go, aw. Yeah, put a little meat on that text. Aw, someone likes us. Yeah, aww. I like that. I like when people like us. I like when I read a thing online and I'm like, aw, I feel kind of warm and fuzzy. That's mm -hmm. weird. Yeah. I it's... never feel like this. <laughs> well, you should watch more heartfelt cat videos where the cat is friends with the duck. Nope, just horror films. Oh, okay. <laughs> I watch a horror the film cat about... murders a duck and then the duck comes back for revenge. <laughs> it's called Ducktoberfest. <laughs> Uh, also, it has a lot of beer in it or something. I don't know. It's, the, the, you know what? I'm workshopping the name. Leave me alone. It's okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah, patreon.com slash system mastery. That's where you can find us and support us and find that bonus content. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. I've been Elan Sleezbogiano. And I love flared base death sticks. Death sticks.